Good morning, everybody. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. We know who the early risers are to come to study Torah in the morning. That's good to know that some of you are brave enough and the rain does not deteriorate for you from coming and studying Torah early in the morning, Shabbat morning. For those who are watching online, um, it's great to have you with us. Uh, today we're going to be a very, very exciting day here at Bet Adonai. Uh, we're going to have a short Torah right now this morning, and then we're going to go to the services. Then after lunch, we're going to continue in a mini course on Acharit Ayamim, on the last days. We're going to talk about prophecy uh, this afternoon. And uh, then we're going to have uh, my Sidur that has just been released. We're going to have a special class called Decoding. Uh, the Jewish Siddur. Again, the theme of the day today is um, is really the last days, okay? We're going to talk about the last days, so this is a really exciting time for us uh, to be able to share it, especially in the season we're happening right now in Israel. We're going to look at some current events in the land in terms of prophecy, etc., etc. So I'm really looking forward to this. What I want to do this morning with you is um, I'm going to teach uh, from Parashat uh, Shavua, the weekly portion. This week we are in Chayei Sarah. Those who don't know who I am and, and our, who is our organization, I, I will talk a little bit more um, in the afternoon uh, about us. But since we have a little limited time, this morning, I want to uh, uh, get into the Torah class this morning. So I will uh, start uh, uh, with a word of prayer. And those who watch online, we are live in Beta Donai in Atlanta. These uh, services will be streamed all throughout the day, so you'll be able to get it, get it live. Thank you to Beta Donai for making these uh, broadcasts uh, available. Let's pray. Baruch Ata Adonai, Lo'ano Melech HaOlam, Asher Kitshelo B'Mitzvotav, Etzivano, Lasok B'Divai Torah. Blessed are you, King of the Universe, who commanded us to be uh, diligent, truly diligent, in the study and the practice of Torah. In the name of our Messiah, Yeshua. Amen. Amen. This is a great portion this week, Parashat Chayei Sarah, and I uh, titled this message, uh, uh, it's not a message, it's more a Torah class this morning, Hekra Na. We are going to look at Chayei uh, Sarah, at two things that seems that they are completely unrelated. It seems that the Torah portion is almost disjointed. In chapter 23, in the Torah portion, we, lead, we deal with the life or really the death of Sarah, the burial of Sarah. And then we are jumping from the life of the death of Sarah and the burial of Sarah to the task that, that Avraham Avinu, Abraham our father, is giving uh, Eliezer, his servant, to call find a bride to Isaac. And you, when you read it between chapter 23 and chapter 24, it seems that we have two different affairs that have nothing to do with one another. First of all, you need to... to make a note that sequences of events are very important. 
There is a reason why we read immediately about Eliezer uh, and the, the, the task that God is calling him to do, to, uh, the true Abraham that he's calling to do, immediately after the burial of Sarah. This is one question I want you to take in the back of your mind. What is the connection? There is an important connection between Eliezer, the servant of the Lord, to Sarah, actually. Chayei Sarah, the life of Sarah, and the name Chayei Sarah. This is something we are going to explore in the main teaching today, later on. There is a very important connection that we want to look at. But what I want to do this morning, I want to look specifically at the second part of the, uh, the, second part of the uh, portion. The task that Eliezer is commanded to do in going to find a bride uh, to Yitzhak. Now, I don't want to repeat what was said yesterday, but just to let you know, uh, Rabbi Scott and myself recorded yesterday Pearls of Torah, and we looked at the story in the terms of who is Eliezer, who is a Rivka, and who is Laban. It's very, very interesting. I encourage all of you to go and listen to what was said yesterday. But this morning, I want um, to take uh, a different angle on this story. Now, our rabbis teach us that when we study Torah, it's one of the laws of hermeneutics in Judaism. Is By the way, who wrote the Torah? Who is the author of the Torah? Moses is the author of Torah, right? He wrote the five books of Moses. And when we read the Torah, we need to understand that Torah first and foremost is a book of prophecy. When we study and read Torah, we need to understand this law that all of Judaism abide by that says, uh, it goes like this, I'll try to paraphrase it in English. It says, um, the travails and the actions of the fathers, the fathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are a sign for the sons in the generation to come. In essence, everything that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob go through, and notice, especially when we read the Torah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is told at length. It's very lengthy. It's a sign for us specifically, specifically for the last days. For the last days. The entire thing that we call the last days, the days we are in today, Acharit Ayamim, can be summed up from Genesis chapter 12 all the way to Genesis 49. If you want to understand the gospel and the full picture of God's plan to redemption, you start with Abraham, you're going all the way to the end of Joseph's, Joseph's life. You see the complete plan. Now, there are stages to redemption. Like there are stages and progression in Keula. When we look at the concept of redemption, and you know, we read in the 
text many many uh, stories like in that day the lord was one and in name name was his name was one and in that day the lord appeared and the lord came we we usually think it's like a light switch that happened and just turned on but in reality if you look at the text and the scripture prophecies are really more like cooking a chicken noodle soup you have to simmer it and it's up to go through stages and a process. And the one question in the mind of everybody here should be, how can we simmer the soup faster? What can we do and what should we do in the last days? What is our task today in the last days? And what can we do to prepare for the coming of the Lord? This is a question that every Jew in the world asks. For example, example, Maimonides says in his 12th principle, I believe in the Paka, in perfect faith in the coming of the Messiah. Even if he tarries, I will await his coming every day. So we are right now in a waiting period. Messiah is coming soon. It is imminent. But the concept of waiting is not what you think it is. The word waiting in Hebrew means expecting. When you are an expecting mother, right? Your child is not yet born. What do you do? You prepare everything for the child. How interesting it is that according to the book of Isaiah, the coming of the Messiah is equated for an expecting mother that about to give birth. It's called the travails or the birth pangs of the Messiah. We are right now in a season that is called the birth pang of the Messiah. And I don't need to tell you that this is pretty tough period in human history, say the least. It's going to be a generation like North generation that is coming upon us. Now, we, we can take two approaches here. We can kind of roll the dice and say, Kesera, Sera, whatever will be, will be, and just stand back and, and say, well, it's all up to God. Or we can say, we can do something about this process of redemption. The premise that we need to ask ourselves today, this question is, what you and I have to do with redemption? Do we have anything to do with the final redemption? Or is it all up to God? What is the role of man? And what is the role of God? Does man have any role in the final redemption? This is an important question that Chayei Sarah has to answer here. In this text, we see... A man that his name never mentioned. He called the servant of the Lord. Now notice he called the servant of the Lord, but his name is never mentioned. We know who he is. His name is Eliezer. The Lord is my helper. Is it, it's interesting that his name is Eliezer. The Lord is my helper. Yet the entire task of going to get Rivka to Yitzhak is the action of Eliezer. Who is helping him is God. God is helping him, but Eliezer is the one who is doing the journey. 
This is important because you see a picture here of a wedding, a future wedding between Isaac and Rivka, which the rabbi says that Isaac is the picture of the Messiah. Rivka and Isaac is the wedding. It's the Geulah. We're seeing a picture, a clear picture of the Geulah. But you notice that the Geulah could not have come unless Eliezer was a part of the matchmaker. We are today have a role of matchmaking between Israel and the Messiah. Are you following what I'm saying? So of course that you and I have a role to play in the redemption. The question is, what is this role and what it is? What, what are we to do in these last days? I want to look specifically at Eliezer's words and the life of Eliezer for a couple of moments with you as he start this journey. Remember, he called the servant of Abraham. He is called the servant of the Lord. So you see, there is a picture here of Abraham. There, there are two, three players here. Abraham, Isaac, Rivka and Laban, right? Those are the main players, right? Who Abraham represent in this story? Hashem. He represents God himself in this story. And notice that he is still not resolved. He is still not reconciled. Because the son has not come to his fullness yet. He cannot trust until the son comes to the fullness. If everybody thinks today that God is, is excited that Yeshua is still not, not recognized as the king of Israel, think again. He's not. So he said, I'm going to give you a task. And he is giving a task to the servant of the Lord to go find a bride. Okay, to reconcile. To reconcile who? Isaac, who is the Messiah, is a picture of the Messiah, to Rivka. Rivka represents the bride of Messiah. Okay? It's represented someone, not just specifically the bride, not just represent the bride, it's represent. I would like to present to you today a different thought to look at this story in a different way. Rivka represents Israel. Rivka represents Israel. But somebody had to reconcile Israel, Israel to the Messiah. And that's where Eliezer comes. Eliezer today is the messianic movement. We have a job to reconcile these two. And by the way, we see the exact same picture later with Joseph and his brother. The exact same picture. At the end of the day, it is Abraham who wants to make sure that his son is in his fullness, in his full capacity. Just like in the story of Joseph and his brother, everybody thinks that the reconciliation is between Joseph and the brother, well, that's not true. Because when Joseph revealed himself to the brothers, the first thing out of Joseph's mouth is, can I see my dad again? 
It's not about the brothers. It's about him being fully reconciled with the father again. And Isaac cannot take the role that he has unless he's in his fullness. And Yeshua cannot be complete and Yeshua cannot be whole without Israel. That's why the job of Eliezer is so important. That's why the job of Messianic Jews is so important. I want you to look with me at the words of Eliezer in the portion. He says this. I'll put it for you. Vayomer. This is how he start his journey. There's a reason I called this um, study Hekrana. Look what he says. He says, and he says, Oh Lord God of my master Abraham, grant me good fortune this day. Let me go and find a lottery ticket to find the right bride and deal graciously with, with my master Abraham. Eliezer represented the body of Messiah. Look at what he's saying there. There is a word here, or two words here, that I think we have to focus on. Two words there in yellow. In English it says, grant me good fortune. And the second one I want you to focus, focus on, today. I think the most important word in this verse is today. Today. Listen to what our rabbis are telling this here. Very interesting commentary on this. First of all, they ask the question, why that he uses the term hekrana? The translation, give me good fortune, is not correct. That's not what the Hebrew says. The text here, hekrana, is, it's actually very strange language. Hekrana. The word hekra is like the word kara. In modern Hebrew, when we say makore, it means what's up? It's literally like in modern Hebrew, say what is up? What is happening? Literally what he's saying here, do something, make it happen today. Make it happen right now. It does nothing to do with lottery ticket. He says nothing about good fortune. If this is what the translation says, it's not correct. Hekra na. Do something today and do it so that I will be great. Right? Right? No, do it for the sake of my master, Abraham. God can make things happen with us today, but we have to know that you are doing it for the motivation of the father of Hashem. 
So many times we want things to happen, but we want those things to happen so we will receive honor, so we will receive glory, so we will receive credit. But he said, no, it's not about me. It is about the master. It is about Hashem. So, yes, we have a big part to play in this restoration in the last days. But it has to start with two things. Or three things. Number one, he say, do it, make it happen, but there is an expectation that it will happen today. Listen to what the rabbi says. They said, this is a picture of the geula, of the redemption of Israel. Listen to this. This is amazing. It's so amazing, I lost it. Here we go. Here we go. This comes from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the head of Chabad. You know, may his memory be blessing. Rabbi Schneerson. He says, why did he chose the language Hekra Na? There are two other Hebrew words to be used. This is key. This is important. There is the word Hechin, mean prepare. Why did he not say, prepare for me this day? Prepare for me, Rivka. Why did he not say that? The other word is the word Hezmin. Like the word Hazmana, invitation. Why didn't Eliezer say, Hazmena etayom, prepare the day ahead. This is important. Why did he use this exact term? The other words in the Hebrew, in the holy tongues, to show that he is ready to go on this task. But why did he use the word hekrana specifically? Why? Because the word hekrana does not speak about a future. It's speaking about the future in the present. You say all the other words, oh, prepare for me or invite me. Those are talking about an expectation of something that God is going to do in the future. But the prayer of Eliezer is so unique because he said the future is today. The future is now. The future belongs to the present. This is very important. In essence, he said, he, in his mind, he saw the reconciliation between Isaac and Rebekah. He saw it already in his mind. You know, when they do the sports, the professional athletes, before the game, they get him into the room. They tell him, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Now you're going to visualize. You're catching this touchdown. And you're doing your happy dance in the end zone. Right? Please understand that this is what Hekrona means. Hekrona means that he is visualizing the wedding already. And he's visualizing is this wedding happening Hayom today. My question to you is, how many of us have a vision, a true vision of Mashiach returning today? 
Or when we come in Shabbat morning to services, how many of us have a vision of Messiah who is visiting us in this Shabbat, in this day, in this morning? The rabbi says that if one does not have this type of expectation, like Eliezer, he is not ready for the coming of the Messiah. How do you gain it? Hear what the rabbi says. I love this. The tzaddiks, the righteous one, have to pray in a special way. The kid, they say, to change it, to receive a spirit of Eliezer, which is necessary for the coming of the Messiah, for the completion of the wedding, has to do with what they call it orerut chasadim. You want to have this type of awaiting? This type of expectation? Do you want to learn how to say Hekrana, which is called in Judaism Yom HaGeula HaShalem? That is when the complete day of salvation comes. Wait a second, the salvation came when Isaac fell in love with Rivka. No, not according to Judaism. The Geulah, the redemption come in the day that Eliezer cried out and said, I know that you will reveal yourself today. That is when the redemption starts. You see, all those other things that we see, those are the physical, those are just the externality. But this is not the real thing. The battle was won, uh, uh, the was won when he said, Ekrana. Everything else is, is cherry on the cake. So what do we have to do? In this day, this day called in Judaism, the day of the full salvation. That is what this day called. The day that Eliezer cried out, Hekrana. How do we get to this day? By the way, it's interesting that the word Hekra come from the Hebrew word car. Car in Hebrew, like car in English, means cold. Cold. You know, it says that in the last days, the sun, isn't it interesting that it says that the sun will be darkened and it will be frozen, everything will be frozen. Read the book of Malachi. It speaks about this. Hey, things are not great right now. I am in the cold, but I am expecting that the son of righteousness will come with healing in his wing today. Today. Yeah, I am out here in the cold, but today he will come. Let me give you another one. What does it say in Psalm chapter 2? Of some one of my favorite about the Messiah say, Today I have begotten you. When is today? Today is mean literally today. The today means the day that you and I choose to make the way for his return. Not the day he chooses, the day we choose. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is very, very important. There is this discussion in Judaism whether or not the Messiah 
will come as a result of our action or as a result of his action? And the answer, as we see, is both. We have to do what we have to do. Look at what Orachim says here. Eliezer was certain that his master prayer, that, the, that his master prayer, that God would send his angel hand of Eliezer to facilitate his mission would be fulfilled. He added a prayer expressing the hope that he would be found worthy to be instrument through which Abraham's prayer would be fulfilled. And this is important. He does not say, oh, I can do it on my own. He says, I can do it only through Abraham. I can do all things through Yeshua who strengthened me. I cannot do anything on my own unless it's through Him and by His power. It's happened on occasion that the prayer of the original petitioner goes unanswered due to the unworthiness of the petitioner messenger. Now let me ask you a question. Who is the one who is praying here? Ultimately, who is the one who is making the request? Abraham? Is Abraham prayer worthy? Let's, let's try it again. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I long to gather you like a hand that gather her chick. Let me ask you a question. Is that a prayer? Is the prayer of the master worthy? Well, if the prayer is worthy, that means that the prayer, that's what Orachim explained to us, the prayer carry power. If the prayer, whoever prayed, is worthy, if it's a justified intervention, it's carry power. And if Yeshua says, I'm longing to gather you, it's carrying power. That means that we have a power to see those words. Baruch HaBabeshem Adonai coming to fruition. But the question is, do we believe in these words? Do we believe that God is going to use us like he used Eliezer to fulfill those words? That's the question. I believe so. But I think the problem that we are having is that we don't believe that today can be today. Oh yeah, he's going to come someday soon. When I'm 89 years old. No. He means I am coming. Today. Here. And, and now. The Targum. The Aramaic Targum. Read the same verse. And he said. And he said. This is the same verse. He said. Lord God of my master Abraham. Prepare. And I love this word. Prepare though a proper woman before me today. And deal gradually with my master, Abraham. Are you following that he, his entire focus? He is his master. We must be focused on the master business. We are wasting too much time dealing with a business that does not belong to the Father, that does not belong to the Master. And you know, all of those things are distractions. 
And you know what his prayer here? His prayer is simple. This is the prayer that I believe we need to pray for today. God, take the distractions away from my life. There are too many distractions in our life. And, and you see the master distractor. Who is the master distractor? Oh, we finally found Rivka. Hallelujah. But what is Danny does? He show up Laban. And he said, don't worry about Rivka. Come, have a food with us. Sit, chat. But this is a picture of the enemy who tried to distract us from the focus that we are to have. And the word that I love in the Targum here, in Targum Yonatan, is the word prepare. What we need to pray for today, if we are to fulfill our role in this reunification of Israel and the Messiah, we have to pray for focus. God, in the name of Yeshua, the Master is spoken. He prayed. I repent, Lord, that I have not been focused on the wish of my master. The wish of the master is to reconcile with Israel. Do we believe to the master? Do we want to do what the master is telling us to do? I do. So the question becomes, how do we prepare what is this preparation for this journey? Well, one thing we already learned today, prepare for the journey to take a day, not a week and not a month and not a year. He prepared for this journey to be like this. I am going to find this bride. And, I'm, and, and notice something very interesting. When he see Rivka, he does not wait for Rivka to come to him. He ran to Rivka. Did you notice that? Every time we want to see how Rivka ran to him. But he ran to Rivka. When the opportunity come to put before you to truly reconcile Israel to the Messiah, you must run. Take this opportunity because you don't know when the next opportunity or if another opportunity will come. We don't know that. So we say... Come on, make it happen today, but do it through the Master. We must pray and ask to do those things, not through our own flesh, but through Messiah Yeshua, through the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's how we do it. There's a story. Remember, I told you this word today is the key. I pray that today we will have a supernatural day in Bet Adonai. Not tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen to I want today to be a supernatural day. What about you? Do you believe for this? Do we believe that God will heal the sick and make the blind see and the deaf fear and people released from bondage? Today! If we don't, we're not like Eliezer. We truly believe it's going to happen in a day. The day. There's a beautiful story in the Talmud that comes to teach us what does it mean today. I will conclude with this story because I want you to take this word, Hekrana, do something 
today. Look what it says. It's a story that we found about a rabbi, a famous rabbi, named Yoshua, son of Levi. Rabbi Yoshua, son of Levi, met Elijah. And he came to Elijah and said to him, or he came to him and said, When will the Messiah come? Elijah responded to him. And he says to him, uh, Go and ask him. And Rabbi Yeshua, son of Levi, says, And where will I find the Messiah? Elijah says to him, At the entrance of the gates of Rome. Rome is a picture of Christianity, of course. Isn't it interesting that the rabbis know exactly where he's found? At the gates of Rome. I don't want to dwell on that part. That's another sermon. But Rabbi Yeshua, son of Levi, asked him, How will I recognize what is, will be the key sign that I will rec recognize him? And he says, Elijah answered. He says, he's sitting among the poor and suffer their illnesses. He's going to resemble a leper. Okay? Okay? And then he says to them, uh, he says, he suffered the illnesses and, uh, and all of them unite their bandages and tie them all at once. But the Messiah unites one bandages at a time. He said, Perhaps I will also be needing to serve to bring about the redemption. Rabbi Joshua, the son of Levi, said, Maybe I need to do the same thing that the Messiah is doing. Therefore, I will never tie more than one bandage so that I will not be delayed. What do you think did he meant when he said, I will not tie more than one bandage? What do you think he meant by that? We all want to conquer the world, right? There are a lot of good things we can do, but there is a difference between doing a good things and doing God things. There are good ideas and there are God ideas. And they are not the same. Good ideas and God ideas are not the same. Messiah can deal with everybody at the same time simultaneously because He is omnipresent. You can't. You are a person on a mission. Maybe the anti-missionaries are right when they call us missionaries. We do have a mission because Eliezer had a mission. And the mission was to reconcile the groom and to the bride. This is your only task in life. And what is he saying is, maybe I should deal with one bandage at a time. Don't try to fix all the world at once. It is truly a process of taking one thing upon yourself. And if we consider it a journey, like Eliezer considered it a journey, don't run the journey and think it's going to be a hundred mile, a hundred meters dash. It's not a hundred meter dash. It's 42 kilometers marathon race. Rabbi Yeshua wanted to do it all at once. And some of you are spread thin today because you're trying to do this and you're trying to do that and you're trying to do this. But you ended up doing three things in a mediocre way instead of doing one thing in an excellent way. You following what I'm saying to you? This is a sobering, sobering promise. But listen to the conclusion of this story. Elijah said to him, 
they are guaranteed that you and your father will enter the world to come. If we take part of the redemptive action in the world, we will be redeemed. But you know what he says in Tractate Shabbat? Whoever does not labor on preparing the Shabbat table does not eat on the Shabbat meal. If we are not partner in redemption, you know, the church is messaging, the churches today is so disturbed. Oh, we can't wait to be raptured. And people go, ah, yeah, yeah, rapture us. And we can't wait to get out of here. No, no, no. Our message is quite opposite. We can't wait to be part of the process of fixing the world. We can't pray, wait to say Hekrana today. We cannot wait to fix it today. That should be the message that resonates through you. God, give us a chance to fix today. Give us a chance to, to reconcile the groom and the bride today. Give us a chance to go through the journey today. He guaranteed that you and your father will enter the world to come. As he's greeted you with the word shalom. By the way, if you take the word shalom in Hebrew, it's have the value, numerical value of the word Yeshua. Should not be a, f a shock for you. The word shalom and the word Yeshua have the same numerical value. But if we are not contributing to the shalom between the groom and to the bride, we will not receive Yeshua. Sorry. Are we part of this brokering deal? Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi said to Elijah, so he's waiting, in the story he's waiting. And the Messiah is not appearing. And so Rabbi Yeshua gets very angry in the story and he says, he says, the Messiah lied to me. He says to me, I am coming today. And he did not come. So he waited for a day, a day, a day. He go back to Elijah and say, oh, the Messiah is a liar because he never showed up. Elijah said to him, this is what he said to you. You see, because the Messiah says today, but he was quoting Psalm 95, verse 7. And it says, Today I will come if you will listen to my voice. Are you following? That today will happen if we will do the things that we have to do. That today will happen if we will walk through this journey. If we will listen to the voice of Abraham. If we will say, God, reveal yourself in this day, today. We see this story mentioned in so many ways throughout our rabbi's writing. This is another story. Because I want you to think about it. It's about a rabbi named Rabbi Ruhami. And the story goes like that. He would commonly study be before the Rava in Mechoza. Mechoza is a city in Israel. He was accustomed to come back to his home every year in the eve of Yom Kippur. One day, he was particularly engrossed 
in the study of the Torah, in the halacha that he was studying, he got caught up in it. And he was caught up with this, okay? He was remaining in the study, okay? And did not go home. His wife expecting him that day and continuing to say to herself, now he's coming, now he's coming. But at the end, he did not come because he got caught up in studies. She was distressed and a tear fell from her eye. And the exact moment when a tear fallen from her eye, the rabbi who was sitting on the roof, still studying, the roof has collapsed and he died on the spot. Wait a second. What her shedding of the tear had to do with the death of her husband? You see, she was expecting his coming. She was preparing the house. She was cleaning. She was cooking. Everything was ready. But when she shed her tears, she understood he is not coming. And when the expectation stopped, her husband, who is a picture of the Messiah, right? Her husband is a picture of the Messiah in the family unit. He also died. When we stop expecting him to appear today here and now guess what when we stop expecting his coming he will not come and that's applied to everything in your life when you woke up in the morning do you expect messiah to reveal himself do you expect messiah to show you signs and wonders and miracles and supernatural things or do you go or when you come to shabbat morning say, oh here's another service in bet adonai in the morning or do you say god is going to do something great today god is going to reveal himself god is going to show himself there will be power there will be signs there will be wonders because today is the day that messiah will visit Now, don't get me wrong. The Messiah still has to visit. He still has to do his part. He still has to show up to the plate. That's why we see this passage that is so important in the Talmud. It says on Rosh Hashanah, right? Feast of trumpet, Tishrei run, our forefather slavery in Egypt ceased. In Nisan, right? The Exodus... In, this, in Nisan, the Jewish people were redeemed from Egypt. And in Tishrei, again, first of Tishrei, the, in, in Tishrei, in the future, the Jewish people will be redeemed. And in the final redemption, with the coming of the Messiah. The rabbis tell us that the Messiah is going to appear on Tishrei 1. The Feast of Trumpets. Hello? What does it say in 2 Thessalonians? That the Messiah returned with what? With a great sound of? Wait, but it's very confusing. They're saying that he's coming in Nisan, and he's saying that he's coming in Tishrei. So which one is it? He's coming on Feast of Trumpet, or is he returning back in Passover? Right? We have two types of redemptions. What is the difference between the redemption of Nisan and the redemption of Tishrei? In Nisan, we did nothing, right? God revealed himself and his power came down from heaven, down to earth. That's one way to, to, to view redemption. God does everything. 
But on Tishrei, God created everything. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth, and everything was chaos and a void. Just like the world today. You know, I just got a phone call. Our yeshiva operating in Colombia. How many of you saw what's happening in Colombia this morning? Quarter of a million people turned the country into flames. Trying to destroy the nation and take the nation back to communism. They send me the pictures and they say, this is the generation of Noah, of lawlessness. But our redemption has to come out of chaos. Always, when there is a chaos, there's going to be an order that is going to come out of chaos. But that is our work. It's from the ground up. The redemption of Tishrei 1 is dependent upon our actions. Not upon God's action, upon our actions. Nisan came from heaven down. That's when Messiah came. God says, I am sending my, my son on the 14th of Nisan. I am sending him to start the process of redemption. The second part of redemption, the completion of the redemption, depend upon you and I. So when we see chaos in the world, congratulations. Don't wait on Messiah to fix it. You go and fix it. Amen? Let's pray because I'm out of time. Avinu Shebashamayim, we thank you for this you this morning. Thank you for the lesson of Eliezer. As we learn, Lord, the word Hekrana, put it upon our hearts and we expect, Lord, we expect for our lives. We expect for better Adonai. We expect for the body of Messiah. We expect for Israel. And we expect for Yeshua, our Messiah, all to be revealed today in the name of Yeshua. Amen and amen. Shabbat shalom, everybody.